What to do, golf fans? Welcome back to the Turn Dogs Golf Podcast. Before anything else, if you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything like that, the audio podcast is just fine. Um, but if you want to see our smiling faces, we do have a video podcast up on YouTube as well. Um, if you type Turn Dog Golf Pod, um, you'll be able to find the channel there. You can watch the uh, the link as well on there. And then again, if you enjoy it, please subscribe. If you're on podcasting like it as well, please subscribe. But let's get right into it. Jack, the Mexico Open at Vedanta. What an interesting week in general. Again, based on who was all kind of in the field, it was a bit of a mess. Jake Knapp, of all people, pulling out the win. Good for the kid. What Overall thoughts on the week, what'd you think? Yeah, I think there were more players in the field than fans. Um, so that was definitely interesting to watch. Um, I'll be honest. They hyped out that Mexico Open something fierce. And outside of Napper, I don't know what it lived up to. Um, if you're a casual golf viewer, um, that's, again, we can spend 20 hours on the separation in the golf world. But that's one of those events that I think could have used some of those guys like a Rom or a, a Joaquin Neiman. Um, yep. But... With that being said, shout out Jake Knapp, the butteriest 320 carry I think I've ever seen in my life. Reminds me a lot. I saw a lot of comparisons to Fred Couples, and now I can't unsee it in my head. Um, but what a random, random leaderboard. What that that was. Listen, we've already talked about the beginning of this year that this has been the most unpredictable season that I've yep. ever seen in 20 years, 23 years of watching golf. For reference, I'm just turning 26 in a little bit here. <laughs> it's still, there's nothing that's been congruent. And unfortunately, this week is the toughest course, literally on the PGA Tour, in metrics. So we're going into another week that, be careful, bet half units or something like that. But it was crazy. Yeah, it was It was a weird week. Um, you had Nap who won. You had a lot of... Um, I'm going to say D list PGA tour pros. Um, again, if that's, if you are one of those D list, you know, PGA tour pros, I apologize if that's, yeah, Liam said it, not me. Um, but also let's realize the fact that again, I, I don't think anybody in the top 10 was listed in the top 50, at least in OWGR, um, as far as far as points go. So that's just something to kind of, again, state my case on why I said what I said. Um, I think Eric Van Druyen was the closest one in terms of, of potentially winning. And again, he was like eighth place. Um, and he he plays a lot of PGA Tour events, but he's not really flashy. Um, the big thing I noticed was that there were a lot of big names that people had in their lineups that missed the cut. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I can't relate. Couldn't tell you. But everybody else, I the, the three names I saw all over like DFS lineups, for example. Thomas Dietrich, Taylor Pendrith, Sam Stevens, which, which when you, when you think of Sam Stevens and think what he's good at, like that is the kind of course that you thought he would you know, succeed and do very well in. But those three guys tanked a ton of lineups. Um, again, a lot of people still ended up making money because a lot of other people had, you know, five out of sixes in terms of those, but those three guys specifically, uh, made golf really difficult in terms of betting over the weekend for all for all of intents and purposes. Yeah. Um, some highlights. I mean, Tony Finau didn't win, and he never really had a chance to win, but at least he was T13. Um, so having him, like, decent... It, if he was on the leaderboard, I felt like it would have changed the viewing experience of the weekend. 
Like, I, I, I think you need. Thank God she was on the feature group, though. Otherwise, I would have gone crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think any, any realm of like Tony Finau, Brandon Wu, Maverick McNeely. Not that those guys are, you know, generationally moving the needle one way or another, but just somebody that has a fam- like familiar name bumping up the leaderboard to give, you know, casuals hope. I think that yeah. would have been a great way to go about it, of course, throughout the week. Um, it didn't happen. Um, instead, we had S- Sammy Valamaki. That guy, he guy's a beast. Let me tell you, if you saw, now I'm blanking, that par four driver, it's not 10, right? Is it 10 you or? Dr- drivable or no? Yeah, yeah. That's drivable? Seven, seven. Seven, yeah. I don't know why I thought it was 10. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, Genesis at Riviera. Yeah, yeah. Genesis, um, seven. My goodness, when he hit that drive to set up that three-footer for Eagle, I thought he had it in the bag because Knapp, what, they say he hit like two or three fairways on he, the whole final round. Yeah, on Sunday, Jake Knapp hit two mm. two fairways the whole day. But on on seven, while walking up this caddy, uh, there was a storyline that there was some sort of interaction that went down between Knapp and his caddy. And from there on out, I think he played two under – in terms of the rest, maybe three under for the rest of the day. So there's a lot of rumors in terms of what the caddy said. You know, there was all this, the semantics behind it all, which again, I don't know. And I won't pretend to sit here and tell some fake golf rumor um, in terms of what it could have been. But I thought it was very interesting that they, they said, yeah, you know, he, he pulled his, uh, he pulled Jake over to the side and walking down seven. And all of a sudden the guy just snapped it into shape and ended up winning. Yeah. Some of those, um, a bunch of old tiger caddies. Well, again, I'm not going to spend an hour talking about tiger, but some of his yeah. caddies just say they try to piss him off. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. If he had a bad shot, he was in his head. He's going to make you mad. So now, now he's not mad at his game. Now he's mad at you and he wants to prove you wrong. So I'm sure there was a little bit of like, Hey, you have an opportunity to go out here and win an effing tournament. Get your stuff together, man. Cause you suck. You're playing like a you know baby. Get in there. I'm I'm tempted to know if you sat there and did the whole like, man, I guess you just aren't as good as you thought you were like that kind of a vibe. I like that would piss me off and get me to play better. So I'm curious if it did the same thing for Nap. Well, they want to uh, build up their confidence, not tear it down. No, I uh, as far as it goes for me, like if I'm playing golf and I'm if I'm playing awful and you're like, oh, yeah, you're just not as good as I thought you were. Like here, here we were thinking you were you, you were going to you know be able to win and now you're falling apart on Sunday. That that would be like, oh, all right, you didn't think I have it in me? Challenge accepted. Sounds like I gotta go out there now and 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 you know, play the best I can for the rest of Sunday. So, all right, let's let's loop all this together. How did your DraftKings lineup go? You know, highlights, lowlights, anything that were, was was it kind of the same thing I already commented? You had it, a couple of those. Yeah, my DraftKings was very middling. Because okay. I had Thornbjorn who didn't leave up to expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitchell did really well. Uh, his Sasune didn't live up to what I thought he did. Gim played well. Campillo played well. Sebastian Vasquez played well for like 16 holes and then dropped the ball. I was, when I saw him and I checked my phone, because obviously he wasn't on main coverage, and I checked my phone on Thursday and I saw he was like three under at one point, I was like, you guys are welcome on Twitter for that plus 800. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking. And then I checked my phone after my first meeting on Friday. I go, what the? And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So... DraftKings, middling, double ups, yes, single entries, no. Um, and then FanDuel, I had Pendrith in there, and that killed my lineup because I had Olison, I had Mitchell, I also had Hisasune, Gim, and Vasca. So, you know, you flip that. Um, who would I take out? 
uh, Jorge Campillo for Pendrith. And obviously I would have done a little bit of a price adjustment. We yep. probably would have won some money because I wasn't too off on FanDuel. DraftKings, it felt like was up here and yeah. FanDuel felt like it was down here, at least for me. I, well, l- let's be clear, too. In terms of DraftKings, you went up against every week, Jack, and I do a head-to-head just to kind of see how our, our lineups look against one another. Y- yours looked worse in terms of DraftKings this week because I did quite well. Um, I finished top 50 in all single entries this week. I went six for six on making the cut. I had Jake Knapp in there. I also had Tony Finau, Brandon Wu, and Maverick McNeely. They all finished T13. I had James Hahn at 5,300, who finished T33. And then I had Joseph Bramlett, who shot plus three on Sunday. Pause. You're telling me that the worst guy in your lineup finished T38. And you're not listening to the Turn Dog Golf Podcast? <laughs> welcome I mean, aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the party. But again, Joseph Bramlett shot three over on – maybe two over. And either two or three over, regardless. He was higher up on the leaderboards and finished in T38 after shooting over par on Sunday. Um, which, again, is unfortunate. But in the sense that I, I had a chance, I did look at one point in terms of the single entries. I was top eight. Um, and all of the single entries, which would have made a nice payday. But again, top 50, still can't complain on that. Um, on FanDuel, I had a lot of the same guys. Again, I had Knapp, who won. I had McNeely, uh, Finau, and Wu, who all finished T13. I had Davis Thompson, who ended up finishing T24 after, I think, making the You're cut. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I almost got off of him. Um, but I stuck with Davis Thompson, who made the cut on the number and then finished T24. And then I took Adrian Dumont to Cesarette. Um so, the way you pronounce his name is so he's gonna he's gonna be adrian dumont they like they ch- they chafe at, they chafe ass i don't know i gotta come up with a bad nickname for him because that was absolutely atrocious um uh, i am never playing him again until i i can see absolutely something solid come out of his golf game um because that was some of the worst golf i've seen of all time i think jack could have beat him this week um respectfully uh to him because again i know he's on tour um, I could have gone for anybody. There were a couple guys at 7,500 that ended up making the cut that I considered. But again, I didn't get to him. If I would have had somebody make the cut with him, even if they would have finished T40 or T50, I looked. I think I would have been top 100 on FanDuel. So that would have also been crazy. But I still made money on FanDuel as well. Le- less than, obviously, in DraftKings. But I think I 3 x my money. So could be worse. Hey, 1.000001 extra money is a good day. I'll take any, I'll take a penny in profit. I'm happy. Yeah, all things considered, this was a really good DFS week for me, especially considering the the lack of high profile names in the field. Yeah, true. So, all right, uh, into bets we go. Let's cruise through. How are we looking for you? This, I want to say, was my worst week in the entire podcast history. It's not it's not great. I think you've been close to this, but yeah, I think that's uh, this is potentially your worst week. Yeah, um, it should have been better. The yeah. guys that missed were the guys that should have won me my bread and butter. Thornview and Olison, just a couple of bad compound mistakes. It wasn't necessarily bad. It was just compound. Keith Mitchell, top 40, was a winner. His Sasune, again, compound mistakes on a longer course. If that was a 600-yard shorter course over the course of four days, he's golden. Um, Vasquez looked great through 16. Uh, Jorge Campillo, plus 175, that was a winner. Uh, Gim Reaper, T42, was a winner. Hoyard, top 30, was a loss. 
that was bad. Pendrith miscut, Dietrich miscut, Sam Stevens miscut. But to remedy myself, and again, you're welcome, Twitter. Um, Charlie Hoffman miscut, Nate Lashley miscut, and Thornbeard Olison and Nikolai Hoyard made cut parlay. Um, all of that together, and I'm still down 3.82 units. Think about that. It. That miscut parlay with Hoyard and Olison uh, was a squeaker too. Yeah, you was, you barely made that in, but it works. It talk it about works. it. Listen, that's it's my worst week in our entire podcast. I have to look at the grand scheme of things. If you'd have told me on February 26, Jack, you're 28.11 units up on the 2024 season, which is what is this our seventh week, eighth week? Uh, What's this? I think this is week eight. We, this is this. So we've had seven weeks total. Yes. So I'm up four units a week. Yeah. And I've lost three weeks in a row. Think about that. Yeah. No, I need to get I, to some of these big events. Yeah. You you got to get into these big events because that's where I see you go up like half a dozen to 12 units. Let's wait till Augusta, uh, baby. Exactly. Yeah. During, during Augusta, Jack might throw in 30 bats. Who knows? We will. Listen, last <laughs> year, for every unit I was up, I made a bet. Probably not doing it again this year. TBD. Depends on I have a good week or not. We'll, we'll, we'll suspense it out and see if, it, see if it works in that way. Um, all right, for my bets, I did a little better than that. Um, I still had my six bets. Um, I had Jake Knapp over Eric Van Rien. If you would have told me on Thursday that it was going to be that type of, a, type of a tournament with Eric Van Rien being first-round leader, I would have told you I was scared shitless because I almost took Jake Knapp top 30 uh, but I think his odds for top 30 were minus 150, and his odds for over EVR was obviously plus 100. Um, didn't matter. I ended up winning anyways because he ended up winning. I think I tried to fight you. I was like, dude, take a placement too. Like, you know, make sure you cross your chicken or your whatever this. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. cross, but, cross yeah, your was, P's, dot your I's. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess it worked. It, it was a. Uh, it was way more nerve wracking than it should have been. Um, but it was still a win. Uh, Brandon Wu top 40 was minus 140. That was a nice win. Um, SH Kim over KH Lee minus 125. That was a win. Maverick McNeely top 40 was plus 100. That was a win. Um, I had Ryan Fox over Harrison Endicott and Aaron Badley. Somehow Aaron Badley was the best the one. Of those three. One guy. I don't get it. Ryan Fox was another one that's a lot, like a decent amount of people had in their lineups who ended up missing the cut. He did not look good. Um, that's kind of good to note going forward. Usually Foxy's a bit of an interesting play in some of these cases. I think that kind of tells me I'm going to stay away from him until I see some better some better play from him in general. Um, and then I had Paul Barjan over Victor Perez plus 110. That was a loss. I I think I think Victor Perez ended up making the cut on the number. Paul Barjan missed the cut on the number. I'm pretty sure it came down to set, like the 17th hole. They were in the same group. Victor Perez made a birdie. Paul Barjan made a par. Therefore, one mid cut, the other didn't, and that was the loss. Um, I still went four for six. I'm up 1.51 units, so I'm currently up 6.59 units on the year. Let's go. We're cruising, slow, slow and steady, slow and steady. So, all right, we going winners or wild cards first? Yeah, I'll go my wild card because it smacked. It was a, that Nate Lashley missed cut, baby. I was like, there's no way that he may, he's like one for five on the year, and he comes into an event that. L- could not suit his game any like any he, granted i think he only missed it by one missed it on the number missed yeah. it on the number yeah i was like oh my word but there was no way plus 175 i put a little bit more money than i was confident putting on it still gonna count it as a whatever it was but 
um, very happy because that personally outside of the pod, because I do a one unit ratio for the pod personally gave me more money than I lost, but obviously still in the pod, I'm going to put us down because I don't tell people unless I was like, what was that one week that I was like, oh yeah, I'm putting like 25 units on this bet. You, um, you, yeah. you did put Lashley in both your wild card and your normal bets um, this week, which was interesting. But yeah, you, you had Lashley uh, just as a wild card pick as a standard one. Still a nice win at plus 175. Uh, so you take those. Uh, I took Callum Terran top 40 plus 200. Uh, you missed the cut. So now, now I know I don't have to stick with Callum Terran at all for the rest of the year. Uh, but again, that was a tournament that I think he had a chance to do something based on kind of how his game it is more or less. Yeah. All right. You ready to go to the, well, now it's not the Honda. It is the world's worst name in golf. As far as tournaments go. Um, I apologize to anybody that has to potentially read it out. As far as the uh, news guys this week, we are going to the cognizant classic at the Palm beaches um, at PGA national Yaba Yaba Western penitentiary, Florida, golf tournament no i'm just kidding uh but it is the worst, worst. <laughs> name pga tour you guys messed up because what they did they kept bumping and bumping and bumping and bumping and bumping the sponsorship and yep. now these events that have been there for 30 years they've been paying you know obviously it increases due to popularity or whatnot over the time yeah. and now they're paying it over about these guys don't want to pay it honda's doing just fine without them so yep. now as the casual fan you're not tuning in to the Cognizant Classic. You might have turned into the Honda Classic because you've seen Tiger win it a bunch of times. You saw, you know, like Chris Kirk win it on the, you know, the 72nd hole, you know, yep. stuff like this. If you're a guy that's flipping channels on a Saturday and you see the Cognizant Classic, you're going to go, I'm not watching this Corn Ferry event. You know, so the the casual fan is suffering. I, I'm curious if in the future they'll they'll try and, you know, outsource this so it'll become like the Tesla Classic or the Twitter classic or the Facebook classic, or like they might start getting into these social media ones and doing that. But, but those guys don't have the kind of, you know, power to throw, just throw all that money out like Honda did. Uh, but yeah, it's a really bad name. This, this tournament is the artist formally known as the Honda classic. Um, One of the I greatest mean. events ever. Yeah. Yeah. Shot. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Great event. Um, normally this event is played as a par 70 totaling 7,150 yards. They've changed it this year. It is now going to be a par 71, totaling 7,150 yards. They took one of the long par fours. I I, I want to say it's maybe 10. I, regardless, one of the par fours is now a shorter par five, totaling about, I think, 520-ish yards. Uh, so the course is therefore going to play it a little easier. There's going to be a lot of little semantics behind it. Uh, but the important part is that it's par 71, 7,150 yards. Last year's winner, Chris Kirk. Um, this is one of the harder courses on tour. Um, 15 of the 18 holes have water all, all over them. Um, and there are two extremely well-known stretches of golf holes that are extremely difficult. Holes five through seven, which aren't really well-known that people make a lot of bogeys at. Um, and then holes 15 through 17, also known as the bear trap. Um, the cut line here is not going to be extremely high. Now it might be higher than usual again, because of the extra par five, uh, but expect it to be right around even at the absolute best. I think that's probably a safe number. Jack's nodding along with me. I would have said probably one on there was my high case scenario. Yeah. Just cause you know, with that par five, now you're adding two shots to the field. So 
Yeah, and I think the the last like four years the event has ranged from like plus three to plus one. Um, so I, I, again, you can kind of map that out or you choose. I don't know if sports books are going to do where the cut line is projected to end up and how yeah, how, how finicky they can get on that. But if a sports book isn't paying attention and they don't take into account the fact that there's now an additional par five on there, uh, they might have the the line set at you know plus two and a half. If it's if it's two and a half. I would confidently take the under. Now, granted, for anybody that knows and following us, we do record this Monday evening. So we have the bare scrap of what's available in the world in terms of sports betting, just to make sure we get out all the information to you guys first and you can kind of make your decisions from there. So if you're listening to this right now, go ahead and put a reminder on your phone to go check DraftKings, FanDuel, Fancat or uh, Fanatics, ESPN, Bet365, Rivers for those odds because they're probably going to differ by a stroke on some books. Yeah, it's it's going to make it interesting as far as betting for that goes specifically. So keep an eye on that. Um, just a couple of interesting facts, and again, I have a lot of player information that we'll get to here. Um, nine of the past thirteen winners have a finish of thirteenth or better at this event before their win. Um, so again, course history isn't everything, but it's nice if you played well here in the past. Um, 12 of the last 13 winners had made the cut at PGA national at least once before their win. So again, guys that generally struggle on this course tend not to, you know, go out of the blue and all of a sudden win. And then five of the last six winners of the Honda classic, again, not cognizant, um, had a top 10 during the West coast swing, um, the season before winning this event. So like if nobody played good, all, all, you know, all California or California swing, um, they're probably not going to do that. And if you take into account a uh, another factor, seven of the last seven Honda winners had produced a T16 or better on that West Coast swing prior to them winning. So there is a little bit of recent form that comes into play here. Um, very often, there is not a lot of guys that will come and find form here at, at God, I keep wanting to say Honda. I'm gonna say mess Honda. that up. Say I know, Honda. I'm, I'm gonna mess that up all, all all night in terms of the podcast or all day if you're listening. But just know if I say Honda, I mean cognizant. If, um, if we say Honda, you're not a year you're not a year late. You're not listening to 2023. You're listening to 2024. Screw this cognizant. And yes. if you're cognizant, you want to sponsor us. You're the greatest <laughs> tournament ever. I love your name. <laughs> so so yeah, be advised that that again, this is not a spot in terms of, in terms of the cognizant where uh, you're going to really find form. And I think it's because of all of the water around the course and the fact that the way the course plays. Okay. Um, I have tons of player information, but let's dig into that once we get into the DraftKings lineups. Jack, is there anything you want to go to or are we going to loop together these first you know, five players? Yeah, I think we should loop in Rory in the 10K. So it's Rory, Cam Young, Maddie Fitz, Maddie Ice, Russell Henley, and Tom Kim. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting range for me. Um, I'm gonna be honest, not a fan of any of the, of most of this range. To be to to be clear, uh, Rory's absolutely terrifying for me here. Um, he's played awful for his standards. Let's be clear, for his standards, he's played awful. Um, this California swing, and I don't think he's really worth a fifteen hundred uh, dollar elevator price point. Um, his last three finishes at this course were a miscut, miscut, and T59. This is also one of the worst courses in terms of strokes gained for Rory on all of the PGA Tour. Um, he, now, he won here in 2012. He finished second in 2014. Um, so if you look at his strokes gain metrics, they'll probably be skewed close to the middle. 
but I, I don't take that into too much account because, again, that was over 10 years ago. Um, and he just really hasn't played well previously in terms of this tournament. And, again, his California swing also looks bad. I just don't think the 12-2 price point is there for him. Uh, I'm also going to go Cam Young. Um, he plays best when there's no expectations on him. Uh, he's the second highest price golfer here, so there's plenty of expectations put on him. Um, having him be such a high price, again, higher than somebody in the 9K range who I actually like way more of him, is just a really bad sign in my eyes. Um, there's Matt Fitzpatrick, who's lost on approach every week he's played since the century, um, which is just absolutely terrible. So I think with Fitzy, it's kind of become like a wait and see. Yeah, first of all, Rory McIlroy. You're probably going to see him as obviously OWGR. Uh, uh, he's fallen a little bit, but he's probably still top four, probably right around three. I don't remember offhand. And you're going to pick him. And it makes sense. This, the conscious mind in me says that makes sense in a field like this. And he's probably going to do fine. But he's ranking 132nd on strokes gain total, 173rd on approach to the green, and 120th on putting. Granted, Granted, he, in his last, like, what, six starts in the year, he has a win and another top 10. So he can score. This is not a diss on Rory McIlroy because in some sense, he doesn't need those metrics. But when you're talking about DraftKings rankings specifically, and you're talking about, let's say, to even Tom Kim, who in my eyes is probably the number one of these five guys. Yep. That's a $2,100 discount. Yeah, no. That's ridiculous. I completely get it. You do not have to talk me off of Rory. Again, I'm not high on this week. If if he ends up winning this week, that's great. But we haven't had a it's winner. Great for the fans. Well, okay yeah, we we haven't had a winner inside like 70 to one all year. So I'm 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 okay with Rory wants to come out. <laughs> yeah. Support. If you're doing outrights, just skip this t- tier and bet everyone underneath. Um, Cam Young, I agree. There's a little bit of expectation on him. Yeah. Um, driver accuracy has always been, he's, especially if you watch him the last three weeks, he is struggling with that little bit of a buttercut, probably a little accidentally, a little bit of a spinny, um, probably coming off the heel. I haven't watched a ton in depth on swing. Obviously that could be a little bit of a, a thing. Matty Fitz is always weird because he has those swings where he kind of goes like this and he's going to go like this. And he's hit my head. Um, Henley has dominated this event. His yeah. price is super inflated. Now, um, don't get me wrong. He's going to be the most accurate guy on the tee in like the last 40 years in the PGA Tour. So he's going to put the ball in play. He's going to make the cut. It's going to be boring and it's going to be fine. But the only guy that I'm like on the top in terms of DFS is Tom Kim. Now, here's the reality of it. I hate saying that because every time I talk about Tom Kim, it seems like he's goes out with his buddies on a bachelor party the week before the night before and comes out. But you're taking that par four, turning into a par five. It's not the longest course on tour. All of its position play. Putting is not the number one metric that we're looking at this week. Tom Kim at 10,100 in comparison to the field is yep. a very reasonable price for him. Now, granted, I think you could switch him with a couple guys in the nine. <laughs> but yep. 10,100 for a guy that in his last three starts has been 31st, 17, and 24, which has been improving on what he was. I think in terms, again, DFS rankings and pricing on making a lineup is my number one in this category. 
the the only concern I have with Tom Kim is that like going into this tournament last year, he was ranked top 20 on approach from 100, 150 to 175 and 175 to 200. This year, he's ranked outside of the top 100 from 150 to 175. And I think he's ranked like 73rd from 175 to 200. So his numbers just aren't just the saving same. him for this week. Uh, well, I, and again, I think that that's the one like gripe I'm getting against Tom Kim. Um, I still think he's probably the best in terms of value, unless you wanted to go to Russell Henley, um, especially in this range. I'm also comfortable. Again, I'm cool just skipping this whole range. If you want to do that, we can go right down to the 9K range, um, and we will start with Eric Cole at 9,900, all the way down to Keith the Goat Mitchell at 9,000. My man, Keith Mitchell. Yeah, so Keith Mitchell, I have some stats over here. Look at how old I am with my pen and paper. Um, some of this information I'm going to keep hidden from you, and if you want to find out why, you can go visit on socials because I'll be posting more in detail on my bets later. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We may have a Keith Mitchell bet. But he's dominated from T to green. Uh, he's number nine in strokes gain all across the year in the campaign from uh, T to green. He won here in 2019, so he knows how to score. He knows how to navigate the bear trap. His driver, obviously, he's known as a bomber, but he's also talked about in a number of interviews how he's been able to tune it down and kind of find that fairway finder. And I think now that he knows exactly what he's doing and has been continuing to build up in his game, this might be a week that he feels a little more confident putting that into play, and I really, really like that. But again, it's obviously going to be an Eric Cole week. He's winning this week. Let me just put it out there. Let me just throw it out there for the world. I uh, got him at 32 to 1. Anyway, so um, <laughs> in his last 16 events, he's hit top 40 in 14 of those. Um, if you're looking at that number that way, uh, strokes gain total in the percentages in his last 10 weeks, he's gaining 1.44 entirely in the last 10 weeks of golf. Now, again, more stats may be coming. More stats may be on socials. Turn dog off. Um, but this guy fits the mold for what this course is designed for. We told you, do not bet him at the waste management. And he freaking sucked. And then everybody got off the, the train of Eric Cole. And yep. I'm telling you, choo-choo, get your tickets ready to be punched. <laughs> Come back on. Yeah, Jack and I are all set for it. Um, one of the things I, I went through today, um, I had a really long meeting at work. Nobody cares about that. But I actually have a bunch of stroke gain, strokes gain metrics I was able to pull from Honda, well, from Cognizant specifically, um, that I'm going to kind of share through. Just realize that these stats I'm going to talk about are only related to PGA National, so they don't carry over to other courses. But here's some things about Eric Cole. Um, it's a home course situation for Cole. He's from Florida. He broke out here as a rookie last year after basically missing his first three cuts. He came here, he finished second place, and he jump-started his career. He's spent a better part of a decade basically grinding his way through Florida courses as he moved up toward the PGA Tour, so he knows exactly what he's getting into here. And then when you look into the stats for Cole, in this field, he is first in strokes gain total, second in strokes gain putting, fourth in strokes gain tee to green, fourth in strokes gain ball striking, sixth in approach. So when I when I said I had some stats um, to save for socials, um, I appreciate you spoiling those and taking away all the incentive to go do that. Um, so thank you for that. Sorry, I will not do it as much going forward. But just just realize the only gripe that the, that is on Eric Cole um, is that he's only played this course one time. That if you want to find a weakness in the in the armor where you want to stay off of Eric Cole, um, 
again, that is the only thing I can think of, but you will be in the very small minority. I, I argue that he will probably get to close to 50% ownership this week, um, especially based on his price point. I think everybody's going to see him at 9,900 and they're going to go to him. Um, I'm also going to talk about Benny on he's at 9,500. Um, he's finished T21, miscut T4 and T36 in his last four times out here at PGA National. Um, he's one of the best players statistically in this course that has played it more than twice. Um, he ranks second in the field in strokes gained T to green, fifth in strokes gained ball striking, eighth in strokes gained approach, and sixth in strokes gained total. Biggest concern with Benny is that he, uh, the putter, is a bit of a challenge. And every once in a while, he likes to find those, you know, nice double bogeys on his scorecard. And we, we need him to avoid that this week. Um, you know, yeah. we need to avoid the water in general. Yeah. Uh, last guy I'll mention, Shane Lowry, 9,300. Um, he's finished T5, second, T36, and T21 here in his last four starts. Again, he's made made the cut here last four seasons. And he's posted top five each of the last two years. Um, Shane plays PGA National really good, ranking top 20 in all major um, strokes gained narratives outside of putting where he's T 48. Um, I know that Shane is extremely good at putting, so it doesn't make a ton of sense to me why he struggles here. Do you want me to, do you want me to send you all this Jack for, for the socials? Yeah, no, I'm just, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just talking about that. He's also number three in approach and 125 to 150, but that's okay. I wasn't have any stats on Shane Lowry. <laughs> I'm an asshole. What can I say? Um, Actually, you know what? I'll mention the last guy, Daniel Berger. He's healthy now. I like him this week. That's all I'll say, Adam. I won't give away all the information. I don't get anything. No, I'm just kidding. Around. Do you, yeah, do you so, have anything on Berger or no? No, I, I'm, I'm not a huge. For whatever reason, Daniel Berger. Again, your dad's gonna send me a text <laughs> in about whatever tomorrow morning, and he's gonna yep. say, "What the heck? I got a weird feeling. Daniel Berger's gonna miss the cut." Yeah, exactly. But he's also he's also yelled at us in the past for saying, hey, why do you guys bet so much based on weird feelings? And then he'll be like, ah, I got a feeling on this guy. And it's like, all right, well, uh, $20. Dan- on, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Daniel Berger, last couple of years, um, he finished fourth last year, had a two year gap where he didn't play again because of injury. Finished fin four or finished fourth, finished T36 and T29. Um, again, his stats don't look great, but that's mostly because of the injury challenges he's dealt with. Um, I'd consider him fully healthy at this point, um, at least as healthy as he's going to be in terms of a in terms of a golf setup. You know, he's not withdrawing from tournaments left, right and center like he was there for a couple of weeks. Um, and again, this is one of the better courses in terms of history he's played on. So if you want to be a little different, uh, Daniel Berger is a pretty good option there. Nine to two hundred. Yeah, there's a couple guys like Minwoo Lee, number one. I've bet him too many times to go back to the well. But again, nobody's talking about Minwoo Lee this week, so prepare for like a sixth-place finish. Um, mm-hmm. JT Poston fit the mold for last week and not this week, so prepare for a sixth-place finish. Um, I don't know. I just I think Eric Cole, Keith Mitchell, and Shane Lowry are the safe three for me in terms of what this course suits for. But again, this is proven. Padre Carrington went out and won and then I think finished like 131st the next year. So it's like, it's so many flip floppies. It's so weird. Yeah. Min, Min Woo Lee is probably going to rank first on strokes gained off the tee this week. Um, but again, I, I, I'm worried about Min Woo. He just is not the same, the same golfer that I had kind of come to anticipate. Um, JT Poston has never made a cut here. So that's a little terrifying in terms of, in terms of betting again, not the same golfer, but just something to kind of keep an eye on in terms of that. Yeah. 
All right, um, into the 8K range we go. Denny McCarthy at 8,900, all the way down to Justin Rose at 8,000. Who you like yes. in this one? Number one, right off the bat, Matthew Pavong. Mm. Um, uh, he is mispriced. Now, let me tell you why. Granted, granted, 8,700 is still high. His last two starts are three and a win. Guy's killing it. Let me just throw out really quickly, again, a warning that I have stats on him that you're going to need to go to Turn Dog Golf on <laughs> socials to listen to. Okay, I will say nothing about, about Pavan. I like him as well, and that is all. The only stat I'm going to say, he's number one in strokes gained total on the entire PGA Tour this year. Number one. He's dominating. He's only had, um, let me just read his last, let's call it six weeks. Three, one, 39, seven, five, 15. Guy's been on a tear. He's $8,700 in a non-major-like field, non-elevated event. Guy's a monster. Come on. Don't let it slide at $8,700. Um, you know, you're going to see a whole yard. It's not Nikolai. So take a pause before you just immediately click the plus like you've done eight weeks in a row. Um, I do think that Alex Norn is going to be a really interesting play. Yeah. I don't think he's definitely in competition to win. Uh, and if he does, great. I like Alex Norn. I have nothing wrong with him. But 8,200 for a guy that's going to hit like 75% of fairways, 70% of greens, and make birdies and all the par fives, and he has really good par three numbers. This is going to be a guy that's going to finish probably around 45th, and I'm going to be content with that at 8,200. Alex Noren is like a different version discounted Russell Henley in my eyes this week. That yeah. I, again, I know nothing about their golf game syncs together. Like, like Henley is like 95% approach and could argue that Alex Noren's weakest part of his game is approach. If they played a scramble, they'd be a dominant. They, they, yeah, they would be dominant. But I think, I think based on how they both are, I think that both of them will, will make the cut and then just not have flashy finishes. Um, so I like, I don't mind Noren this week. And again, I think he finished fifth year last year he played really well um maybe two years ago I, I i might be mixing that up i don't have that in front of me but uh he he rates out pretty well in this in this course um rasmus is an extremely interesting option uh, so he's been playing on the dp world tour and then his five yeah he's gonna say he's got five starts on there and he hasn't finished worse than 11th in any of those starts now you might sit there and be like well it's dp world tour like it's worse golf nobody cares uh, one of them was the DP World Tour Championship, which had basically everybody in there. The other one was Dubai, which had the likes of like Rory McIlwood and a few of those other major guys that like to go over to. Who Dubai. was that? Uh, I say Rory McIlwood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Woo. Struggling. Um, no, Rory McIlroy, um, who was all who was in that. And so again, the 11th has some caveats that it is DP World Tour. But it's way better golfers than uh, than a lot than what usually play in those types of events. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's it. Again, I'm a big fan of Pavan as well. I think Seb Straka could either finish second or 79th um, this week. He's probably either making the cut or finishing last. Who knows? Uh, Jake Knapp. It was great that he won last week. Uh, let's just say that this course is basically the opposite of the Mexico Open. So I would not. Um, if he hits two fairways, he's going to be 33 <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, if, if on Sunday he's playing that snap hook like he was like he was in Mexico, that dude might lose every golf ball in his bag. Just DQ'd. Just on the first nine holes of Thursday. Um, so keep that in mind. I don't think Nap is going to be the first choice people go to. 
Um, Rosie is a bit of a option. I'm not too thrilled on him. Um, but again, I think he could be the kind of guy who would, who would finish, you know, 40 and do nothing too crazy or spectacular. So if you want to be different, um, I don't think he's going to be very popular by any means. Yeah. I'm not too high on anybody else. I mean, list you're going to take a look at 11 or 12 on cuts and probably throw them in as if you don't really know any better guy's more of a bomber. He would have been really good last week. Yep. Um, Jaeger, same thing. He's made every cut. He's done good. He's three. He's had two top three finishes in the last three starts. So that's been good. McCarthy's lightning with the putter, but has struggled with a lot of parts of his game, even though he's finished like 25th. So there's guys in there that you can fit in. And if you're doing like a 50, 50 and you put like 10 entries in it, like $10 or whatever you're going to do, just have fun with it. You're probably going to put one of those guys in some of those lineups, but I think the safer plays are like what we talked about with the Pavans and the Norns. Yeah, uh, hold on. I'm, I'm looking here. Driving accuracy for Luke List. He is 165th on PGA Tour. Yep. Um, say hello to Jake Knapp Light right there. He's probably going to miss a couple fairways and lose quite a few golf balls. Um, it's just not a good distance. He also has really bad driving distance this season. I thought he was supposed to be really good at that. His approach is top 20. Okay, Luke List. You're a weird yeah, you're a weird golfer, Luke. I'm not going to try and understand it. But, again, probably not the week for him. Um, all right, into the 7K range we go. We're starting off Tom Hoagie. Hey, he's coming back down to earth after he was priced way too high for a while. Um, at 7,900, all the way down to Billy Horschel at 7,000. Well, interesting, interesting, interesting category. I'm going to say mm-hmm. it a bunch of times. Um, let me just say real quick, there's a couple guys in here that – are really weirdly priced. Thorn Bjorn Olsen's number one. Granted, weird week last week. Those are compound errors, not necessarily bad play. Now, granted, you could say it's bad play, but they were compound errors that obviously, if if you know golf in the very high regard, those are just going to be mental errors, and he's going to bounce back and do just fine. 7,700 for a guy that just finished 46 in his first PGA Tour event in the like a longest time. He's been killing it on the uh, DP World Tour. Really reasonable price. Um, you have Bez, who is above average in so many metrics, and obviously short game is a monster, but he's done really well on birdying some holes this year. So he's another guy that you could really look at. Rio Hisasuna, if you look at stats, he's really like basically tour average on like every statistic throughout everything. So yeah. he's he's you know he's gonna make a cut, and I always say 7,500 just make me a cut. And he's tour average on basically everything. So the guys here that you can really target, I mean, like EVR is really badly priced for, I don't know what's going on, but there's guys here that if you're just looking for fifth guy, depending on how you set your lineup up, could be even your six, could be your fourth. You can get two guys here that are going to make your cut, no issue. I'm going to be honest, this this range scares the shit out of me. Um, I, I think there's going to be a good amount of guys that miss the cut from this range. Now, now again, some of the guys you mentioned. As I talk about making cuts. Again, I, 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 I like some of the guys you mentioned. I think that Ol- Olsen, I think he's mispriced. I agree. I think he should be 8000 He'll probably make the cut. Um, I think Bez is, is somebody that a lot of people are high on this week. I don't know if I have it. I understand that he's, like, decent at everything, um, and he's known for his putting, but he just, just doesn't seem like the kind of course that he's going to crush it at. Um, again, this whole range of like Hubbard and eh, Fox and eh, Van Ruyen, he should be good. Um, the one guy that I think is uh, Doug Gim, by the way, he, he, this guy sucks here. 
He is the worst statistical golfer at this course in the field of anybody. Dude has never made a cut here. Don't play Doug Gam. But the other guy right there at 7,000, Billy Horschel is an interesting option. Um, he's got four top 25 finishes and 11 starts at PGA national, including two in the past four years. Um, guy went to school in Florida. He lives in Florida. He always seems to find golf form here. Now, again, I know a start early on. I said that, you know, 99% of people are not going to find form at this golf course. I feel like Billy Horschel is kind of the exception to the rule because he has played really bad coming into this event in the past and it doesn't seem to matter for him. The guy seems to find his golf form at this event. So I'm very high on Billy Horschel at 7,000. I am terrified of Billy Horschel because in some sense we've seen him make like seven birdies in a row. And then in some sense we've seen him leave seven golf courses in a row too early. So I am very afraid, but if you're going to take a chance on a guy at 7,000, Billy Horschel's not your worst one. I'm a little surprised he didn't go back to Mav um, considering he dominated for you last week, but I, I thought about it. Uh, Mav's an interesting option. I'm a little worried that he's gonna he's gonna regress back to a to a bad week this week after he did so well last week. Like I feel like he's the kind of guy where like I got my victory off of him. I don't want to sit there and try and keep you know striking lightning every week with him. He's a guy we need to get to occasionally. Uh, Billy Horschel, though, by the way, just you know he does rank 16th in the field in strokes gained total um, as far as everything. So he's, his metrics also fit out the course quite well. In that sense. All right. Into the 6K range we go, starting with, wow, Thomas Dietrich, 6,900. That is uh, criminal. That, that is but tough, but I get it. It's so weird. Wow. All the way down to Nick Dunlap at 6,000. Nick Dunlap oh, sucks. How the no, mic well, well, Let me preface that. Let me preface that. Sucks for what's going on. But Dietrich, 6,900. Honestly, uh, granted, I am furious with him. Mm-hmm. Super mad. 6,900 for this guy in this field. It's going to be worth a gamble and some double double ups, some 50-50s. It's 100% a gamble. I'm not saying to do it, but it's scary. Good. You you go worry about him at 60 at 6,900. You have fun with Thomas Dietrich. Let, her, let me know how it works for you. I'm just saying at this price, because it just it's going to take one week where he's going to go back and go to 23rd place, and he's going to be 8,200 again. I'm just saying in this field, 6,900, but I, I digress. Um, Justin Suh is one of the guys that I really like this week. Uh, in the last two years, he actually ranks number one strokes gain in the state of Florida um, over the last two years. So guy dominates. Um, ben Griffin's another interesting one, 6,800. Just make the cut. It's all I care about. He's got really good numbers. Um, Carson Young is another interesting one. Um, two top tens already on the year. We saw Sammy Val. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Sam Falamaki. I know I mispronounced it. Um, dominance with the ball striking over the last couple of weeks. I mean, his swing is so good, but he does have a tendency because of that um, short stocky finish, have the ability to lose shots out, which is scary. Um, you have a guy like Lee Hodges, who I think over the last decade is leading all strokes gain total on this golf course, which is crazy to think about. So there's guys in here that you could find your rhythm in here, but I mean, honestly, you just got to, you know, pick your poison. I think Justin says the only guy that I'm sticking my reputation on. That's crazy because I actually really like this range. <laughs> um, I, all I'm going to say is if you if you bet Thomas Dietrich, then feel the same way you feel with Thomas Dietrich that you do about Sung J.M. 
because they're basically the same golfer. They both have not made positive strokes gained on approach in their last six starts. But it's again, 6,900 for a guy that's finished in the last four weeks, a top five, a top t- or two top 20s, a 28th. So I, I get it. I get it. But all I'm saying is, is he's got the same type of, of geographic, like graph. If you look at it from a, like a, a got a chart. There we go. I know, I'm just uh, saying DFS wise though. I, I get it. But again, I think he's not the move at 6,900. I think he, I think he'll probably miss the cut here. Um, I'm going to start with Carson Young. You talked about it. He finished 29th here last year in his debut. Um, he just finished eighth in Mexico on Sunday. Um, and then he's made four straight cuts and he's got two top 20 finishes. He, are, are they top tens too? I just, I think I just saw top 20s. He might have one that's an 11th. Yeah, Re- regardless, it's, it, he's been playing really well. So I think he's a good option at 6,700. Um, somebody that's just got really good course history here is Johnny Vegas. Um, T21, T42, T30, T27, T16. Um, again, he's been playing meh uh, to kind of start the year. He made the cut of Mexico, didn't really do much with it, uh, but it's an interesting option. Um, Lee Hodges, who you kind of talked about, he's he's one of my favorite guys this week in this range. He started off the year rough, but managed T24 at Genesis. Um, he basically comes to Florida where he's close to home, where he's played great in the past. Uh, Lee gains in all strokes gain metrics here at PGA National and is ranked sixth in strokes gain total. His biggest weakness being off the tee where he's 48th. Now, he is extremely accurate off the tee. The issue is that he just doesn't have the driving distance, which he doesn't need here. So that's that's where his kind of 48th comes into play. He's extremely accurate. He just doesn't have the distance. Um, There was somebody else I liked in this range. Who did I like in this range? I cannot remember. Okay, well, we'll leave it here, and I'll think about it when we're in the 5K range, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I only, I mean, I I like one guy, like I said, in the 6K, and I only like one guy in the 5K range. Not, not telling like that I don't like people, but like in the sense that I want to stick my reputation and call him out. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, who's your 5K guy? I'm curious. Jorge Campillo, going back to the well. Um, that guy, in terms of accuracy numbers, dominated last week. Um, 19th at Mexico Open. Um, obviously, been playing tremendously on the World Tour. The one gripe against him is the distance numbers, which again are negated here. Accuracy numbers are off the chart. So at 6,700, you bet I'm going back to the well, especially on DFS to round out my lineup. I'll tell you that much. And um, actually, I take that back. I have a second guy, not the best guy in the world to go to. But you could go to Parker Cootie at uh, 5,100. Um, his last uh, two starts have both been 24 and 25. So if you're looking for a guy that's on a little bit of a heater, that is the scariest thing of human history. If you're just looking at form, 5,100, you can get Rory in there if you wanted to go top heavy, but I wouldn't recommend it. But There you go. Uh, well, I'm going to start on the 5K range with a play that you should not be making. Um, Ryan Palmer is the worst player in PGA tour history on the bear trap. He is plus 46 in his career on the bear trap. Um, so he's at 5,800. He is somebody that I would avoid like the plague. Um, he for whatever reason does not know how to get through that portion of the course. Um, one guy I will mention is 5,500. Uh, Zach Johnson actually plays decently well here. Um, he was T12 last year. He missed the cut the year before, then finished T8, 67th, and T59th. 
Um, again, it's not flashy, but at 5,500, if you want that somebody with a little bit of a, you know, buffer so that we can go get Rory or Cam Young or whoever you want, um, he'd be a great sixth option because he's likely to make the cut. Um, I'm going to talk about Sam Ryder at 5,900. I think he's an extremely interesting option this week. Um, he's got top 10 results in each of his last two starts here at hot, hot, at Cognizant, not Honda. Um, I don't hate him as an option here. He ranks 13th here in strokes gained approach, um, or he ranks top 13 here in strokes gained approach, tee to green, ball striking, and total. And he's extremely accurate off the tee, uh, ranking 27th on tour in driving accuracy. So I think he's a viable option. Um, last name I'll mention, another guy at 5,500, Matthew Neesmith. Um, three times he's played this event, T25, T36, T38. For somebody this cheap, you think they would either that he would either have awful course history or bad strokes gain metrics here. Matt Neesmith is neither. Uh, Matt ranks top 30 in the field in strokes gained approach, where he's 9, T to green, where he's 10, ball striking, where he's 20, around the green, where he's 25, and total, where he's 29th. The only knock on Neesmith is his recent form. But again, you're at, you're getting a guy at 5,500. I think that's a chance you're kind of willing to take uh, for a made cut. I uh, I liked Neesmith one week, uh, I think three or four weeks ago. I think he finished dead last. So I'll uh, I'll let you have him this time. I, I get it. And it's not, you know, fun. It's not something you're you're rooting on as far as getting a guy at 5,500. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the option that, that works best for me. Or I'm sorry, he's 5,600. I've been saying that wrong for the last 30 seconds, but you get the gist. All right. Um, I think we will call it there. Let's tr- let's do that way. Uh, we are going to get into your DraftKings lineup. What's it looking like this week? Yeah, I went the safest physical lineup um, I think I could outside of my last guy. I went Tom Kim, 10,100, Eric Cole Sandwich at 9,900, two boring golfers that should hopefully get me two top 20 finishes. Keith Mitchell, the GOAT 9K, Matthew Pavon, 8,700, Justin Suh, 6,800, and I did go Parker Cootie at 5,100, trying to find a little lightning in the bottle. Ooh, there you go. You and I went similar routes here then on DraftKings. Um, I'm starting my lineup with Eric Cole at 9,900. Second, I'm going Benny on at 9,500. Third, give me Shane Lowry at 9,300. Fourth, give me, excuse me, Daniel Berger at 9,200. Fifth, give me Lee Hodges at 6,500. And last, give me Matthew Neesmith at 5,600. Started off with a little bit of similarity, but um, jumping to my fan duel, probably don't tell this one. Rory McIlroy, <laughs> 12,400. Um, I went with it because if he gets hot, there's a really good chance he finishes top five. I mean, there's no disrespect, and that guy's one of the best players to ever play our game. Yeah. Um, Eric Cole, 10,800. Tom Kim, 10,700. Keith Mitchell, 10,300. Carson Young, 8,300. And then Jorge Campillo, 7,500. There you go. You went the, uh, yeah, you went high low, especially there with Rory and uh, Campillo. So that makes sense. Uh, my FanDuel lineup, again, is going to be very similar to my DraftKings lineup. I went pretty middling. Uh, Eric Cole, 10,800. Shane Lowry, 10,500. Benny Ahn, 10,400. Matthew Pavon, 10,000. Daniel Berger, 9,800. And then Lee Hodges at 8,200. So I'm pretty happy like with that, that lineup. I got I got five really solid guys and then Lee Hodges. <laughs> so I'm not afraid to say it, but that's what that, Lee, Lee Hodges is going to be extremely important for me this week. Star him on that PGA Tour app because he's not getting a shine on main coverage. I'll tell you that. 
Oh yeah, it's gonna make for an interesting week of of digging through my PGA Tour app, refreshing every couple of minutes to make sure you're still oh yeah good shape. All right, how's your bets looking? Uh, listen, my man, you're on a little bit of a heater. Why don't you take the reins and bring up the people the bets? Ugh. Okay. Um, I stuck with six this week. Um, it's it's an interesting lineup for me, but again, I'm I'm quite okay with it in terms of what I ended up with. Um, I'm starting with Eric Cole, top 30 at plus 100. Again, we just talked about Eric Cole for what felt like 20 minutes. Um, my second one is Daniel Berger, 37th or better at minus 120. Um, I have Lee Hodges, top 40 at plus 137. Um, I have Matt Fitzpatrick over Sung J.M. at minus 110. That is going to be an interesting battle because both guys have not been playing at the peaks of their game. But again, I think Sung Jay's just been playing worse. And I think Fitzpatrick has the ability to play well, even if he, you know, his approach play isn't going to be perfect. Um, my fifth one is going to be Robert McIntyre over Martin Laird at minus 180. And my last one, you could argue it could be a, a wild card pick, but I'm doing it as a normal bet. Give me Sam Ryder, top 40 at plus 187. Scary, but I like it. Yeah, I got I got about four that I'm comfortable with, and then I got one that's 50-50, and then that Sam Ryder one is going to be uh, – that one I just know already is going to be a bit of a sweat. Yeah, I um I actually went outside of probably two bets. I needed a bankroll builder week. Yep. I, I, I've had a couple bad weeks in a row. Again, still doing perfectly fine, but my first four are safety plays. Don't judge me. Um, if you're one of those people that like to bet long shots, I get it, but – Sometimes you got to make the bankroll to build the long shot. So, Thorn Bjorn Olsson made cut minus 200. Alex Noren made cut minus 200. Matthew Pavon made cut minus 200. And you guessed it, Sepp Straka made cut minus 200. Exactly that, minus 200. That Sepp Straka one is still going to be a sweat. Regardless of you saying that's a bankroll builder, that dude is terrifying when you need him to make a cut. Yeah, so tell me. Um <laughs> Eric Cole, top 40, minus 125. It felt like unless you were Rory McIlroy, your 20, 30, and 40 numbers were very similar across the board. It was really weird to look at. So I was yep. like, well, I'm going to take that 25 points and go 40. Um, Shane Lowry, top 40, minus, 30, minus 135. Keith Mitchell, top 43 in ties, minus 120. Uh, Christian Bezadenhut, top 40, plus 135. I think if he comes out and has the approach play that he needs to, the accuracy and the putter will do him justice. Uh, I did go a double Thornberry Olison because his placement was 52 or better, or 52nd or better. I'm like, listen, that's beating 10 guys after making a cut. So that's all he's got to do at minus 120. And then Rio Hisasune, top 40, plus 145. Again, average across the entire board. So there's no peaks and there's no valleys. It's just average. And if he plays average, that's what? Eight under, two under a day? I mean, that's going to be top 40. It's probably right around the cusp because, well, we've seen some winners that are like nine under and we've seen winners that are 19 under. So eight under is probably going to be right in the wheelhouse of like a 36th place or a fifth place finish. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's the... uh... That's the way to do it. So, all right, we're going to winners or wildcard picks next. Well, my wildcard pick is ridiculous. So, whoa, I just saw that. That is terrifying and spectacular. Go for it. All right. The first part of this is Eric Cole top 30. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, what's so crazy about this? Well, I'm pairing it with Rio Hisasune, not top 40, but top 30. 
at plus 1037. So think about it this way. What did I just say about Rio? Say he goes out there and shoots four round of two under. So that's eight under. There is a high likelihood that if he does eight under, it's either going to be top 10 or right around that 32 number. Now, again, that's dependent on a lot of other factors. So if he goes in there and he goes and does his job, we could be looking at a 28th and a 29th place parlay finish and collect 1,037 odds. Uh, that was big if, you know, uh, I, again, I I feel okay about Eric Hull because I have him top 30 as a solo bet at plus 100, but that Rio top 30 portion is going to get Crazy. Mm-hmm. I could have done that as a solo wild card due to the odds, but I, I rolled it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, all right, for my wild card picks, I think Zach Johnson top 40 at plus 250. Um, again, he's just played well here, so I'm just kind of relying on the fact that the history is there and he's been playing decently. Um, so this is just to kind of you know have me keep an eye on him and see see if he wants to pull anything out. So are you throwing that in? Thank you. I was looking for it. Uh, no, I was correcting your spelling. Oh, it was my oh, I put him in the end on me. Dang it. I was trying to find Billy Horschel uh, winning numbers. Uh, all right. In the winners we go. Um, I already gave away one of mine. Um, so I'm starting off with Daniel Berger at 40 to 1. And then my second winner is going to be Billy Horschel, which I don't have his I don't have his eyes in front of me. I'll dig through it while Jack is uh is saying his, but I want to say it's at least I think 80 last time I checked. I can tell you. I did just go to DraftKings and plug it in. I know. That's what I'm that's what I'm looking for right now. I was about to pull it up. 75. 75 to 1. So, not yeah. bad. Um, we'll take it. Again, 75 to 1 is the lowest anybody's won this year. So Might be the magic number. We'll see. So, who are your winner's picks? I did go Eric Cole. I, Ooh, like, I like it. I, I love him this week. Like, I genuinely love him, which means he's going to miss the cut. So... Um, yeah, 32 to one was the best I found him at, um, across all books right now for Eric Cole, it's probably going to drop. And then I went Bez on number two, 70 to one. I think on DraftKings he was like 48 and I was like, I'm going to check another book 70 to one. I'm like, all right, F it. Let's go. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So let's, let's just say if Bez ends up winning, uh, mortgage is paid for the month. Let me just put it that way. So I like it. All I'm hoping for is he plays well enough where I can cash out on Saturday morning. There you go. That's that. That's the dream scenario in a lot of those instances. You know, I know we're not picking a ton of winners. I think this year we have we have Sahith, um, but outside of him, I don't know if we have another winners yet. Winner pick yet? I think I have two top twos already this year. So I have Sahith as a winner, and then two other top twos that are my winners. So I I again my my numbers don't say it as far as bets go, but I think if you looked at my DFS, my bets, and my winners, I am I'm doing pretty well this year just to start the year not to toot my, last year. not to toot my own horn but like toot toot like let's like let's this is going to be an interesting uh interesting season for me for sure if i can keep this up all right this is the start of the florida swing jack we got a couple more florida tournaments here coming up um the, a way better name up next week arnold palmer invitational this is gonna be a it's gonna be, be wearing my my arnold palmer shirt next week Oh, there you go. Hey, that's another reason for you to watch it live on YouTube at Turn Dog Golf Pod. Just saying. There you go. So, no, we'll leave you guys here with that one. Let's go out there. Let's win some money this week, and we will see you next week. Deuces.